Would you open God's precious holy word to Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. This is the only account of Zacchaeus, the little man who climbed up into the sycamore tree. It's a story that we learn as children. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, we will see the essence, the foundation of the gospel. It is as strengthening, it is as important to the believer to grasp what Jesus says here what the account gives us as it is a Bible story to make an appeal to unsaved people. Perhaps in these 10 verses we learn more about the depth of our salvation than in all the writings of Paul. These are the words of Jesus. Salvation in the house. Let's read the account and then I want to go back and make three observations. Having entered, he was passing through Jericho and look, a man named Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was seeking to see Jesus, who he is. He was not able because of the crowd, because he was small in stature. And having run to the front, he went up into a sycamore fig tree so that he might see him, for he was about to pass that way. And he came to the place, having looked up, Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, for today it is necessary for me to stay in your house. And having hurried, he came down and received him, rejoicing. And having seen it, all were grumbling, saying, he has entered to stay with a sinful man. Then having stood, Zacchaeus said to the Lord, look, Half of my possessions, Lord, I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Then Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that having been lost. Let's look at this and think about our personal salvation. And in general, the great doctrine of salvation. This is Jesus giving us this lesson, calling someone to himself. First observation. There is a great sinner 
in the crowd. His name is Zacchaeus. Let's go back now and look. And having entered, he was passing through Jericho. Jericho was a paradise-like city in that day. It was beautiful. The descriptions that are given, it was where well-to-do people lived and there were all kinds of activities and marketplaces. There were, it was just a happy, joyful place and it was beautiful. It always smelled good because of the flowers and the blossoms. So Jesus was making his way necessarily through Jericho, headed to Jerusalem, passing through Jericho. Now understand this, thousands of people were pressing about, wanting to see, everybody wanted to see Jesus. The great question was, okay, he's made claims, he's done wonderful things, he's on his way to Jerusalem. Is he going to establish the kingdom now when he goes into the Jerusalem city? Is he going to set up the throne of David, being a son of David? Not only that, he had just raised Lazarus, if you take the three accounts together. He had just raised Lazarus from the grave, and so people were also interested in seeing a guy who'd been dead for four days and came out of the grave. Jesus called him out of the grave. So this was, this was a, a, an exciting time for the great throng of people, multitudes of people, people everywhere. If you can just imagine a crowd, an ocean of humanity. And look, a man named Zacchaeus, okay? Holy Spirit is focused on one person, one person. By name, Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Earlier in our Luke, our, what, back in chapter 18, Christ had saved the, had saved the blind, blind, blind beggars. And we considered when we studied that how, according to Judaism, the theology of the day was that these men were on the lower part of the social strata. They were outcasts. And surely there must be sin in their lives or they wouldn't be suffering like this. That was their theology. So they were next to the bottom on outcasts and defiled people in the mind of a Jew in Judaism. But the bottom and worst of the bunch would have been a tax collector. You couldn't touch a tax collector. He was defiled. You couldn't have any, if you were a good Jew, you couldn't have any exchange with a tax collector. You couldn't have any kind of social activity with him. So here's a tax collector. He's very rich, but he is outcast from his own people. Nobody wants to have anybody that is into Judaism wants to have nothing to do with him. So the only people that he can have uh, any kind of social activity with were the riffraff of the world, if you please. They were the true social outcasts. They were the, uh, they were the drunkards and the prostitutes and, and the thieves and all those kinds of people. Those were the people that he hung out with. They're the only ones that wanted to hang out with him. Nobody else had anything to do with him. So he was 
outcast from everybody else. He was the lowest of the low. You could not think in the mind of a Jew, a Jew could not think of someone any worse or more defiled than a tax collector. You see, this Jewish man had to purchase the franchise to collect taxes from Rome. That cost him a lot of money. But Rome had requirements and he was responsible for gathering the taxes. But then on top of that, for his profit, he could, he could tax anything else he wanted to. And he could add on top of the Roman required tax, whatever he wanted to. And that was his. Now, this guy was sort of like a tax commissioner. He was a chief tax collector. That means that he had a broad area and he had people under him collecting taxes. Not everybody wants to pay taxes. Of course, I, I can't wait till April 15th comes myself. But most people are not like that. <laughs> That's not true. Nobody likes to pay taxes. So here, especially if you think, man, our taxes are going to Rome. They're going to do bad stuff. Stuff that we don't believe in as Jews. Going to, they're going to support things that are contrary to the law of Moses, but we have to pay our taxes. We get killed. Tax collectors in that day, Zacchaeus would have been no different, would hire thugs who carried knives and billy clubs to collect the taxes. Just the appearance of these people was very intimidating. Men aged uh, 14 to 65, women aged 12 to 65 were taxed just, just for big people. There was a 1% income tax. There was a property tax. The property tax, let's see, was 10% uh, of all your grain and 20% of your wine and oil that you produced. And then a created tax by the, that was popular with the tax collectors was a bridge tax. If you had to cross a bridge, you had to pay a tax. If you had a vehicle, if you were pulling a cart or wagon or whatever, you were charged by the number of axles and by the number of wheels. So this guy, he was, he was raking in the money from everywhere. Now he would leave a percentage of whatever they collected with his, with his underlings, but he was at the top of the pyramid and he was getting this income from everywhere. That's why the Bible says he was very rich. He was rich. People hated him. But now this guy somehow knows something about Jesus and in knowing Jesus knows something about himself. And in the, in the context is going to come to the realization that he has a great need. So here we go. His name, Zacchaeus. Of all of the people in the crowd who were there, the tax collector would have been the most despised and the one considered to be the most sinful of all of them. He only, he only had social activity with the 
the dregs of society, the worst of the people. Even though he was rich, nobody else wouldn't have anything to do with him. Wouldn't he want to touch him? You'd be defiled if you touched a tax collector. So this gives us an idea. He was seeking to see Jesus. Now was seeking, that's in a perfect tense, which means he just kept on and he wasn't going to stop. This is just a constant thing. He wanted to see who he is. He was focused on the person of Jesus, the Son of God. Rules, rituals, traditions, religion, none of that meant anything to him, only Jesus. So he was a short guy and he had to do what he had to do. He climbed up into this tree so that he could see Jesus. Second observation. He was called irresistibly by a necessarily inevitable command. Thus, he was drawn. Again, I say, his name was Zacchaeus. So let's look at this. As Jesus came to the place, it's in the articular. That means, that means this is this spot, not just a general area, this spot. When he came to the place, he did something. Now he hadn't done this. Been going through Jericho, throngs, multitudes, crowds everywhere, hanging out of their windows and cheering and waving and yelling and doing all this kind of stuff. And this place of all the other places. And now what does he do? He looks up. He came to the place. And having looked up, Jesus said to him, People everywhere. Everywhere. People everywhere. Hanging off rooftops, out of windows, pressing up against the entourage that surrounded Jesus. People everywhere shouting, carrying on. One guy. One guy, his name is given. Jesus knew him by name. Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down. That's in the imperative. That means do it. It's a command. Hurry down for today. It is necessary for me to stay in your house. He's not supposed to touch this guy. He's not supposed to have anything to do with this guy. You're going to spend the night with him. And having hurried, he came down and received him rejoicing. And having seen it all, were grumbling, saying, He has entered to stay with a sinful man, Jesus. 
the Son of God, all these Pharisees, all these, all these people within Judaism, all of the people who thought they were keeping the rules and the regulations, there's one guy, one guy, Zacchaeus. Something within him was missing. He was empty. He knew it. He wanted to know who Jesus is. Remember that earlier slide? This one guy. He wasn't going to stop until he saw him. He was going to do whatever it took. Climbing the tree. All because of a divine appointment. Jesus, out of all of the multitude, called him out by name. No mistake. Hurry down. Today, it is necessary for me to stay in your house. Now, he had visited the houses of other people, Pharisees. They didn't rejoice. They weren't all that happy. But this guy's happy. Rejoicing over the person and presence of Jesus, the Son of God. Now, the, there's going to be a contrast, so this statement is fairly important that it was noted here that all the other people said, oh, no. There he goes again. He's going into the house of a sinful man. Sinful man. The difference between Zacchaeus and all those other people was that Zacchaeus knew he was a sinner. Third observation. Let's take note of the stand, confession, and transformation of Zacchaeus. The, the divine declaration and the one who was really doing the seeking. All right, so let's look at it. And this finishes up the passage. Then having stood, face. that means to take a stand. There were people there who Remember, we're calling Jesus of the devil. Remember that. They were mocking him among the crowd. They were mocking Jesus and his claim to Messiahship. They were opposed to him, but they were still in the crowd. And it was their job to protest and to be nasty to Jesus. But there's one guy of all those people who takes a stand. His name is Zacchaeus. It doesn't mean that he got up out of a chair. It means that he took a stand. He had a fixed attitude and he openly expressed it. Then having stood, Zacchaeus said to the Lord, Lord, number one, 
knows he's Lord, Lord of his life. Look, half my possessions I give to the poor. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now this guy knew something about the law. Probably raised by wonderful Jewish parents. It's funny, they named him Zacchaeus, which means pure or clean or something like that. In, uh, in uh, Leviticus, again in Numbers, and then another specific note in Exodus, there are laws of restoration. If you, if you took something from someone, if you defrauded something, you were supposed to pay back and then pay interest on it. In this case, he increased. One of those was, was twofold. And he said, I'm going to double that. I'm going to restore them fourfold. So he gives half his possessions away and whatever is left, if anyone comes forward and shows that he's defrauded them, he's going to give them four times as much as what they claim. That would have just pretty much wiped him out. So he denies himself. Here's a transformed man. Yesterday before Jesus came by, this guy would have been the most greedy, roughest, self-centered character that one could have imagined, a tax gatherer. He had guys that break your kneecaps if you didn't want to pay to cross a bridge. Today, he's been transformed because of Jesus. I'm going to restore fourfold. All right, this is where it gets good. Oh, it's all good. Today, salvation has come to this house because he is a son of Abraham. Well, now, you know, there were sons of Abraham everywhere, but not really. Those who had the faith like Abraham had, those were sons of Abraham, true, a true Jew, true Israel. Okay, so here are the Pharisees, all these other people, who think they're so much better than Zacchaeus, all of them sons of Abraham, he said, Jesus says, look, he's the real deal. You guys are nothing. This man is the real deal. Jesus knows who he will save, when he will save, and where he will save. And there's never a mistake. Never a mistake. There is a divine encounter from God Almighty. Can you see the divine necessity and the divine necessity that was fixed from before the foundation of the world? Today it is necessary. Hurry down today, Zacchaeus. Salvation has come to this house. Now what was the conversation? We don't have to speculate. Jesus had been, we've already seen it. Jesus had been preaching repentance, salvation, the kingdom of God, faith, belief in him 
So we know what the conversation would have been. Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. He is a son of Abraham. Now, I want you to know we could have a meeting of a month on verse 10. For, gar, for, this is like a pirate word, gar. Gar. For. It's a connective word. It connect. Verse, verses three and nine are because of verse 10. And that little word for. Zacchaeus would not have been a seeker had not Christ been seeking him. Can you understand that? Christ is the seeker. This whole thing is to the glory of God. It is not to the glory of uh, the event. It is not to the glory of, of Zacchaeus. It's not to the glory of anything other than to the glory of God. Salvation is to the glory of God. For the Son of Man, that's a designate from Daniel. We've talked about that. It speaks of the incarnation of God the Son. Just that term, Son of Man, tells us that God necessarily would become a man to achieve the designated salvation. Salvation according to God. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. Okay, gird up your loins and clean out the peanut butter from your ears and listen to me. To seek and to save. It is in the Koine Greek, which is given to us, how the New Testament came to us by the design of God. In the Koine Greek, it is an aorist infinitive. In modern Greek, the aorist infinitive does not exist anymore. The aorist infinitive is aspectual and not temporal. It's, a, it's an aspect and doesn't deal with time. Hang with me. It's not a progressive verb. It is a, it is a feature. It's a characteristic. It is, it is something that, that is presented as a complete unit, has a beginning, has an end, but it's a complete thing. And only God can say this. Only God can talk, can talk like this. There is a first one saved. There is a last one saved. They are a unit identified by the word that. The Bible references them as the elect. God knows who they are. Christ came for them. He said in John, John's gospel, chapter 6, all that the Father gives to me will come to me. 
And all who the Father give to me, I will never ever cast him out. For I've come down from heaven to do the will of him who sent me, that of all he gives to me, I will lose not one, but raise him up at the last day. Christ seeks that having been lost. There is a corruption in mankind. It was brought on by Adam. Depravity, sinful nature. Fellowship with God, all of that. Lost, that having been lost, but there is a pearl of great price. There is a treasure buried in a field. Christ will find it. That's what he came for. You know, I was a boy, 10 years old. It was in April. I would turn 11 in July. 1962. I'd grown up listening to my daddy preach at church all the time. Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sunday school, all the stuff. As a little boy, I had this thought, you know, I'm okay. My parents are saved. I'm from a long line of saved folks. Until a particular day, I remember it. In April. My daddy had been telling me, son, you need to think about salvation. Just didn't. It never, it flew over my head. Didn't, didn't mean a thing to me. Nobody said a thing to me, but on that day, in the kitchen of our home at 1143 6th Avenue, I said to my daddy, I want to be saved. He didn't mention it. I just, I want to be saved. He knelt with me in front of the refrigerator. And prayed with me. April 1962. It is only much later in life. I have come to realize the profundity of that moment. The eternity of that moment. That's almost an oxymoron. The eternity of a moment. That there was a divinely necessary thing that God the Father had arranged for me with God the Son. And what had been arranged in eternity came to fruition in time on that day. The older I've grown, the deeper my love, the greater my knowledge of my Lord, and the greatness of my salvation. And the depth of my worship because of what God did for me. And I will spend into the ages of the ages 
continuing to try to understand it. You cannot escape the aorist infinitive. <laughs> to seek and to save that. It's in a singular. It's, in, it's well, it's an important thing. Okay. But it designates the one he, he came to seek and to save. The one he came to seek and to save. All glory to God, you see. All praise to Christ. I could have never sought him had he not sought me. John says, we love God because God first loved us. It is all of God and none of me. Who would I have thought the most worthy of salvation among that crowd on that day? Who would I have thought? Probably not Zacchaeus. The greatest sinner in the crowd. was sought by the Savior, commanded to come forward and declared to be saved. Not because Zacchaeus sought him, but because he came to seek Zacchaeus. He came to seek me. There is a call, a conviction, an unction that is inescapable. When God resurrects a dead sinner to life, into rebirth and regeneration, the will of God overwhelms me and I cannot but come to Him. You know, when my earthly father used to call, <laughs> I'd come. You know, I, kids get away with things today. I don't, I don't understand it. Huh? I couldn't get away with anything. I'd, I'd, if he thought I was turning a deaf ear, oh, he'd come. I would come one way or the other. But you know the call of my heavenly father trumps all other calls. When he calls, you will come. Oh, I'll be saved in the by and by. You will not be saved unless God calls you to be saved. And when he calls, you will be saved. Why? Because of that aorist infinitive right there that doesn't exist anymore. God made it. God created and created. You know, the Hellenic Greek, the Koenig Greek was only around for 300, 400 years. 
classical Greek, Koine Greek, Byzantine Greek, modern Greek, just a flash in the pan so that it's locked in time. Can't change it. It's there. So nobody else can come along and tell you, but the Son of Man can tell you. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, to be lost. The word means to be destroyed. To save means to rescue from danger. You see, Jesus is saving us from his wrath. God saved Lot from his wrath. God saves his own from his wrath that is sure to come. And Christ, the Holy Spirit of the Lord God, sent and directed by Christ, is calling. You'll know it. There's no mistaking about it. No mistaking. And you'll come. Nobody said a word to me that day during that week in 1962. Something came over me as a 10-year-old boy. And I was flooded with conviction and with a call that I could not deny. I understand it more now than I did then. But it happened. Why? Because now I understand Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He came into this world to save sinners. You'll know it when God calls. Is he calling today? In just a moment, we'll stand and sing our song of invitation. And I hope as he calls you, you'd come and share that with me and let me pray with you, would you? Maybe you're here. You're already a Christian. And God is leading you to come be a part of this congregation. You come as well. We'll take care of all the details. That's what God wants in your life. Father God in heaven, bless this invitation. As you see fit. Thank you, O oh Lord, that on a particular day in a particular place, a particular little boy was called, was sought, and was saved. And now, Lord, extend your grace according to your purpose and will today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, okay?